Welcome to the anniversary episode of the Akiyama Brothers Song the Screen podcast, hosted by Mark and Lennon Akiyama. In episode 28, Mark and Lennon chat about the return of Mary Poppins to the big screen, a film that was one of their biggest childhood influences. Find out more at AkiyamaMusic.com. Hi, Lennon. Hi, Mark. Wow, that was a change. What are you talking about? Usually I say hi first. Yeah, because I'm waiting on you usually. Ouch. Ouch. That's not true. Anyway, welcome to the Akiyama Brothers Song of Screen Podcast. Woo! Welcome, everybody. And this is a very special episode. Do you know why? Well... No idea why. You know why. Tell me why. why. It's because this is our anniversary episode. Yes, that's right. Anniversary, as in we've been doing this for one year. Okay, okay. Give them a time to let that let that sink in real quick. Okay. Time's okay. up. Okay. So, this is our 28th episode. When you think about it, though, that's not it's not a lot. We do it's an odd number. Yeah, I mean, usually people celebrate fifty, one hundred. But so, why are we doing it by the year? I guess. Well, because it is an anniversary, and it a uh, one year ago today. Well, not exactly today, give or take a few days. We introduced the first episode, episode number one, introductions. <gasps> yeah. So if you if you, I think that's our popular episode. It, I forget because right, it's the shortest. I haven't listened to it in a while, but if you're interested, you should listen to our intro episode again and reminisce. What? Since then, we kind of created our own catalog of movies that we thought were worthy of covering on this podcast. Yeah, movies we like throughout the year. Yeah, and so far it's, I mean, most of the episodes... We talked most, about some old movies too, though. Well, yeah, we did, but most of the episodes that we recorded are now, the we talked about movies that are now nominated for awards, like Black Panther... Incredibles. Quiet Place. Yeah, Quiet Place. Crazy Rich Asians. A Star is Born. Spider-Man. And now, Mary Poppins. And then a bunch of other episodes that we threw in there. Yeah. So, thank you, everybody, for continuing to listen. Um, I hope you're excited about all the movies we've talked about and all the ones we plan on talking about. I know. I'm excited. We have some good ideas coming up. Mark and I, actually, we there's one that... Well, we're about to be both really busy, but yeah. Yeah, there's two that we're really looking forward to. One of them might be an interview, and then one of them has been something that we've been trying to do for a while. It's just every time something else comes up that we want to cover. I know, it's like we're chasing this one. Oh, I see what you did there. <sighs> it's yeah. We, we, that was a little inside thing. Can we talk about it? Or what? Yeah, sure. We yeah. want to try to do a chase scene episode of our favorite chase scenes. And talk about the music and stuff. Yeah, so we were thinking of stuff like movies from... Wait, wait, don't give the movies away. Oh, just kidding. Just the theme. Yeah, you got it. That's, yeah, that's how you do a teaser. That's how you do a teaser right there. If there's a chase scene that you want us to cover, let us know. Write it in the reviews, send us an email, or direct message us on Instagram or comment oh, on yeah. one of our posts. Because, heck, if there's something that you think we should cover on the podcast especially for this next one or one of the next ones the chasing uh that might be cool yeah so thank you so much for listening and continuing to listen so happy one year anniversary happy one year anniversary mark yeah we should probably be toasting right now but mm. well i am toasting with coffee oh thanks for making me some anyway okay so let's quickly see uh before we get to mary poppins um, what do we um, do? We have any follow up, follow up stuff? Well, we do have the Patreon to talk about. Yeah, let's just talk about that real quick. So this is something new that Mark and I started a few weeks ago because we wanted to do some more cool things uh, with our audience members and with the podcast. 
And one of those things that Mark and I had in mind was to invite you, the listener, to the opportunity to give you the opportunity to record the introduction of of an episode. So that's something that I do in the very beginning of each episode, the welcome to the Yakima Brothers Song Screen Podcast. And Mark and I, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. And if you choose to be a Patreon member and just click on that announcer tier, other options are you could be a uh, producer or you could just donate whatever you want to to the Patreon and to the podcast to help out Mark and I, to help us do some more fun things for the podcast. Um, it's not going to stop us from doing this every other week because we really enjoy doing it but it does help and we would really appreciate the support yes thank you thank you thank you so much okay now uh, let's go let's get on to the show and here we go so mary poppins returns um it's been out a few weeks now so hopefully everybody who wanted to go see it has seen it and now you can listen to the episode because we're going to talk about it. Sure. First off, we're just going to say there's no spoilers. Yes, no spoilers, as always. Well, we try to... Yeah, we've been pretty good about spoilers, yeah, I think. Yeah, we've been really good about not spoiling anything. I think earlier on the in the podcast... We used to... We yeah, did I think we spoil to, stuff. Yeah, we used to be a little more lazy about our spoilers. Yeah, but we've gotten a lot better over the year. So, quick synopsis. Michael Banks is all grown up with three children. His wife died last year, earlier the previous year ish supposedly yeah somewhere around there and that's not a spoiler they talk about that in the very beginning anyway about that in the commercial so yeah so jane banks is always around to help michael with his family um and then the audience we catch the family during a time of financial crisis mark is would i say mark you did I'm say a, mark yeah basically, <laughs> basically me michael please support us <laughs> we need help no <laughs> anyway too much coffee you can't get your name straight oh wait come on hurry up continue mike i'm I'm waiting for a pause. Michael is on the edge of losing the house he and Jane grew up in. Then, Mary Poppins returns on the string of a kite to look after the banks once again. My kite got stuck in a nanny. No, that's not how it goes. I was flying a kite and got stuck on a nanny. I was flying a kite and got stuck on a nanny. Yeah. I think mine was better. Mm, You should vote. Let us know whose was better. (laughs) I vote Landon. Uh, No, I vote Mark. Anyway... Production-wise, yeah, so. the director and producer was Rob Marshall, who's been in other things. Yeah, if that name sounds familiar, he's done Into the Woods recently, the movie version, which also had Emily Blunt and Meryl Streep, so he got to work with them again. And they were also singing, because that was a movie musical. Yeah, so again. that's how he knew Emily Blunt could sing, and why she was the first person that he thought of for Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins Returns was written and produced, also produced by John Luca. Oh, by John DeLuca. Yeah. And then produced by Mark Platt and our lead, one of the lead animators was James Baxter. Yeah. And he was known for working on a lot of DreamWorks films and a lot of Disney films. Uh, He was one of the key animators for Spirit, the movie about the horse. He was one of the lead animators for Spirit and which is pretty impressive because uh, horses are, you know, pretty notably hard to animate. Because there's so much movement between all their legs and the limbs and to make it look natural in their hair and everything. There was another guy called James Woods who was the character yeah, was designer there. for the film. Yeah, so he he did all the animation character design um, for this new one. And I think they had over like 180 different characters to an, to work on. Which we'll get into later, sort of, when we get to that song. Yeah. Anyway, the most important thing, um, the music was composed by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. 
Uh, Mark Shaman did the lyrics. Or no, Mark Shaman did the music. And then... Scott Women did the lyrics. Yeah, but I think in some of the videos, it sounds like Mark Shaman also did a lot of the lyrics too. Yeah. Is like it, it, was a, it was a, you know, a co-composer thing. So, yeah, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, they're the two most known for Hairspray, the movie, the musical. The musical. The musical. And Smash, the TV show, and also several different episodes of South Park that they wrote music and lyrics for. So, I mean, they they wrote the music for Hairspray, the songs and lyrics. Yeah. And then they also wrote the songs and lyrics for Smash. Yeah. Um, But they mostly called this score for Mary Poppins Returns a love letter to the original music written by... The Sherman Brothers. Yeah, Bob and Richard Sherman. Or Robert and Richard Sherman. I'm not friends with them, so I guess I gotta use their full name. Yeah, you gotta be formal. My bad. We actually met one of them. We did, but we didn't get a picture. No, we were next in line. And then somebody just came... just kept cutting us, yeah. Yeah, people kept cutting us, and then somebody came to take him away because he had another thing to go to. One of the things that I heard when they were working on this film, the um, um, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman was they storyboarded and pitched the animation sequence just like Walt Disney and his crew would. And then, so they were drawing each frame uh, or each keyframe for storyboarding it and pinned them to cork board to pitch. And Mark Shaman got on the piano to rewrite music as the story was changing. And just like Robert and Richard Sherman did in the old Disney days. So they wanted to like kind of get more in the mindset by doing a different process than they normally would today. And uh, doing more of a, you know, old-fashioned, old-timey, traditional process. Which I thought that was interesting. I don't know if if, we can't really say if it affected their music um, and their music writing process, but it is interesting. If you don't know, if you didn't know how the Sherman Brothers wrote with Walt before, now you do. Yeah, another another good movie to mention that will give you a little bit more insight into that was Saving Mr. Banks, if you haven't seen it. It was about the kind of like how Walt Disney got the rights from P.L. Travers to make the movie of Mary Poppins. But in, in the Saving Mr. Banks movie, the Sherman brothers are portrayed by a couple of actors and they it shows how they kind of bounce ideas back and forth, um, writing uh, writing the different songs for the original Mary Poppins and then how P.L. Travers would always shoot them down or have something to say about each song and everything. But it was, it was kind of cool to see how they wrote. Anyway, so for Mary Poppins, the first one with Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke, um, they found actors who came from theater and stage work. So Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews, I think Julie, this was Julie Andrews' first um, film appearance, feature film, and she came from the theater. And then so... They Rob Marshall for this new Mary Poppins Returns. They wanted to try and keep that like tradition of finding talent from the theater. So guess who they got? You guessed it, Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, even though this was his acting feature film debut, he's been in other behind the scenes feature film works like Moana he wrote the songs for Moana that's the biggest one Moana and he's, then, uh, he's working on Little Mermaid with Alan Menken right now the yeah. live action version and so he's attached to compose the music for for Little Mermaid um and we're guessing I don't know I'm guessing that means more stuff than that yeah yeah new songs and lyric material yeah mm-hmm. um 
But he was most famously known for his Broadway hit, Hamilton. Yeah, so he's most known for uh, Hamilton and In the Heights also. So those are his two uh, big theater credits. And then now he's got this as a movie. Which... So he's got a pretty good rap sheet. I... On paper. Didn't really like him in this film at all. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just didn't... I don't know. I, it's because we're comparing him to Dick Van Dyke, and Which, anybody who you put up against Dick Van Dyke for a role like this is like, eh. I don't think we. Sh- it's not we shouldn't be. I don't think we should be comparing him with Dick Van Dyke because that's not unfair. But <laughs> unfair. I, I can't help but compare him to Dick because Van Dyke. they the way they set the film up, the yeah. way they put the way they wrote the character who's supposed to replace uh, Bert. Obviously. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to compare. Like, there's, it's just, it's gonna happen. But, um, I just thought he was annoying the whole time, and his accent was, I mean, Dick Van Dyke, Dyke's, I mean, Dick Van Dyke's accent was, you know, memorably terrible. Also, but that was part of the charm. Yeah, I remember this I, one was just hard to listen to. Yeah, I think I heard people didn't like it when the film came out. Dick Van Dyke's accent. Yeah, like, they were probably. very, <laughs> like, that sucks. Yeah, uh, but I mean, now it seems it seems charming to Mark and I. Mark and me, sorry. Mark and I. Grammar. Grammar. Oh, that's wrong. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> okay, enough of that. Um, so well, we did like Emily Blunt's performance. Um, I, I didn't like it at first, but the second time I saw it, I liked it. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I thought she did justifiably very well. The big thing with her, um, when she was getting ready for the role, she said she didn't watch the original one. Uh, she's seen it, but she hasn't seen it in a long time. But she did purposefully didn't watch the original one when she was getting ready for the role. Instead, she read the eight or so of P.L. Travers' Mary Poppins books. Um, and in the books, Mary Poppins was apparently portrayed more kind of snarky, bitter, <laughs> a little more, way more condescending, kind of not as sugary and sweet as Julie Andrews's Mary Poppins. So I think, I think at first that's why I didn't really like it because she just seemed really mean to yeah. me. She did come off as a little rude. Abrasive. In the trailers. I'm going to say in the trailers she I came think in the, When I first saw the first the film the first time too, I thought that. But then when I saw it the second time, I was like, oh, okay, hmm, I kind of like it. Also like the umbrella. The umbrella got to talk a lot more. The umbrella also got a makeover update. Oh, I heard, though, they did ask Julie Andrews if she wanted to be part of it, but she declined because she said it's Emily Blunt's. She didn't want to overshadow Emily Blunt? Yeah, and it's basically yeah. Emily Blunt's character now, and she didn't want to take away from anything. Yeah. How classy is that? Like, so then instead... To be went, offered... Wait, to be offered a... Re- like a reprised role in Mary Poppins and turn it down. I think, I mean, that's pretty cool. And, and like, I, 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 yeah, you gotta respect Julie Andrews for, for, for knowing when to step aside to the, and let somebody else have the, the role as Mary Poppins. But instead, the producers went and got somebody else. Mark, do you wanna talk about that? Mm-hmm. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Her, well, we, we didn't even get to this part yet, but. Do you guys want us to skip to the music and stop talking about I don't about know. This? Maybe we should stop talking about the parts we didn't like. Real quick, though. Her character was really weird, and you could tell that they just needed a person to replace the uncle who was laughing on the roof in the first one. They needed that moment, which yeah. is a problem I had with the most of the movie. 
Well, f- yeah. First off, before we go into that, like, it was it was a very cookie cutter kind of movie. Like they just not took, normal cookie cutter. It was very Mary Poppins. Here's the first one. Well, Mary Poppins cookie cutter. Yeah. Like they just took the same formula for Mary Poppins for each scene and yeah. duplicated it with new actors and you know new songs. They weren't exactly as original as I was hoping it would be with the movie. Yeah. It's kind of like oh you know copy paste. And they also threw in a banker, like they made a villain. Yeah. Out of somebody and. Mary Poppins feels like you don't need a villain at all. Because then that gets away from what's actually supposed to be the message. Yeah, the situation. Mary Poppins is supposed to fix, I don't know, the the perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so without being a Debbie Downer. You should still go see it, though. I liked it. Yeah, me too. It's it's definitely worth seeing, and it got nominated for a a lot of awards. Yeah, I do think, though, that the music, which we're about to get into... I liked the orchestrations a lot because they felt very old Hollywood style and very um, in the realm of the original Mary Poppins that the Sherman Brothers did. So all the orchestrations and the way that the orchestra played and was recorded and everything felt a lot like how they would have been recorded um, when Mary Poppins first came out in 64, 65. It's one of those. 64. 64 is my first answer. I knew that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Chitty Chitty Bang Bang came out after that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did like the music, but it felt like because uh, the writers and director are stuck to like just trying to redo or come up with new ways of doing the same scenes from the original, it felt like the Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, the lyricist and the musician and the composer, it felt like they were kind of stuck to the same story and they kind of had to create basically the same musical moments but with a slightly different story but you just end up thinking of the original ones anyway be like oh this is that moment oh this is now this moment oh this song is like this song oh this song replaces let's go fly a kite yeah it kind of makes you just compare them even more but i mean the songs were well well written and i really like the lyrics and everything and the melodies um but and at first I would say I didn't think they were memorable after the first time I watched it. But then I like forced myself to listen to the soundtrack for like a week before I saw it again. And then after I saw it a second time leaving the theater, I was like, oh, I kind of remember the melodies now and everything and a little bit of the lyrics. I like to counter that, though. I did the same. I did I like something very similar. <laughs> um, excuse me. Excuse me. Order in the court. Excuse me. Objection. I don't think. Badgering. <laughs> I, I did the same thing. I listened to the, the whole album all week and they are stuck in my head. It's just not, I mean, they're, they're not as, I don't think they're as memorable as the original, as the original Mary Poppins. Cause I remember the melodies, like two, maybe two phrases or, or, or two bars of, of each song, but oh, they the just don't. Oh, the cover is not the book, so I open it up and take a look. Cause another covers one discovers that a king may be a crook. Chapter titles are like signs, and if you read between the lines, you'll find your first impression was mistook. Well, a cover is nice, but a cover is not the book. Yeah. That's the only one I remember because uh, I listened to that one a lot. (laughs) I like that one. Although, if you... Okay, I will say... Okay, well, we didn't even get to that song yet, but I'm just going to talk about it right now because we're already here. Um, For that song, the cover is not the book... Uh, that takes place in the animated section in a theater 
he does sort of his signature uh, half singing, half rapping kind of style, like from Hamilton and In the Heights, that sort of thing. Um, and the first time I saw the movie, I had no idea what was happening, what he was saying or anything, because it was way too fast and it was just like over your head. You you like lose focus real quick because it's so hard to latch onto. But then after you, I had to read the lyrics to see what it was about. And then after I read the lyrics, I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool part. And then when the second time I watched it, I think I caught it as he was singing it and it made sense see you don't even know no yeah you can't be sure no it took a lot of work to get to that point i had to read the lyrics and everything that's like that's way too much work that's like doing homework before you go see a movie yeah really no audience member is going to do that before they go see a movie you know when i first saw that that rap scene with him i thought he wrote that section but it turns out mark shaman and scott women wrote yeah they wrote it yeah, um, but, it but obviously they wrote it with him in mind. Yeah, and they, I think they did a really good job writing it with him in mind because they knew the they kind of they knew the kind of rhymes that Miranda likes to do. Yeah, well, he they did a good job writing in Miranda's style. I thought so. Instead of writing in the Sherman Brothers style for that section, they wrote in Lin Manuel Miranda's style. Yeah, so I mean, but it'd be nice to see what their style was. Yeah, but it's a good movie. I liked it. I would buy it. I, yeah, I actually bought the umbrella, so. Yeah, he did. And it came with a broken nose. Yeah, so I got to fix that, which so is a, a shame. Broken but. beak, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'll probably post a, a fun little picture on Instagram featuring the umbrella and like a little something special for this episode. Yeah. All right. So Mark and I, we want to talk about a few select songs that we kind of want to compare and contrast with the yeah. old Mary Poppins from 1964 and what Mark... Shyman and uh, Scott Whitman did with the the new one. Yeah, we're, we there's a lot of songs, so we're not going to really get to all of them. So we just picked out a few of the big important points that we um, that kind of emulate the first Mary Poppins, also. So like tentpole moments in the movie. Yeah, starting with the lovely London sky. Mend your broken cup. There's a different point of view. If you knew, look up. Yeah, Overture so, and uh, the London sky. That's the opening song. I greet the dawn For when its light has hit the ground There's lots of treasures to be found Underneath the lovely London sky That is sung by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the, uh, the Dick Van Dyke version of Chim Chim Cheree where he's opening up the... The one-man band scene. Yeah. The one-man band song that he's opening up the movie with the scene, the setting. Uh, what do you call it? What do you call that kind of thing? Opening montage kind of setting. Opening scene. scene, I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this one is this is how we get introduced to Jack the Lamplighter. A lampier. What do, you, what do they call themselves? They call themselves a. A luminaire. Oh, a luminaire. What's a luminaire? It's what we lamplighters call ourselves. 
It's lamplighter speak. <laughs> that part was a stretch. Oh my god. Don't okay. Get me anyway. Started. Yeah. Wow. This is turning real cynical for our anniversary episode. Anyway, <laughs> the overture. Uh, wait. No. What happens first? Okay. So London Sky actually happens first. So we see him lighting all the lamps and everything, and biking on his bike, and little children following him down the street because everybody loves this character. They and look so up to him. We need to love him too right yeah. away. Which I hate being told which characters we're supposed to care about. Yeah. Why don't you show me which characters we're supposed to care about, and then I'll decide if I care about them. Kind of laying on thick there, weren't you, Rob yeah. Marshall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but also that song is just, it's real slow and kind of boring. It's not a very fun way to get into into a Mary Poppins movie. Yeah, Whereas, you go, like... You want me to play something? Or no, do you no, have a clip? Finish your thought, and then we'll go. Okay, which, whereas in the Julie Andrews one... Dick Van Dyke's opening, he's like, you know, dancing around, playing a one-man band, bass drum, cymbals, accordion, harmonica, triangle. Yeah, he's being his charming, goofy self. Yeah, which does a couple things. One, it's a really interesting opening because not a lot of people see a one-man band ever. And two, there's a crowd around him, so we're already interested because we're like, oh, what what are they all looking at? Because when you see a crowd around people, what do you do? You go look and see. So that's a cool opening. And the crowd members did like him like the camera shows yeah. that the crowd members liked him it's kind of like how the kids run up to Lin-Manuel Miranda but in contrast it's a little more subtle then yeah it was and he's following him on his bike and there were also some crowd members around Dick Van Dyke that just didn't like him where he tried something and they were they kind of gave like him the a, policeman yeah yeah uh-huh. so but, yeah not only that though it, like setting him up as a one-man band character uh in the first time we meet Bert you see that he's uh, like talented to be able to play all these instruments, which kind of goes into his character, which later you see, oh, he's also a painter. Oh, he's also a whatever, a chimney sweep, a dancer, everything like that. So that kind of all ties in and we find out which Lin-Manuel Miranda's London Sky, we see, oh, he's a lamplighter and he bikes around and and he can bike and sing at the same time. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of cool, but but there wasn't much depth. Yeah, it wasn't. Like if you go deeper into Jack's character, that's basically all he is. I mean, yeah, he's a likable character. That you see on the surface is kind of what you get. Yeah, it was annoying. Yeah, and you just plus I just really didn't like the things he did singing the song. Like what were the things? Um, like swinging around a lamppost and. No, no, what, the, the the way he sings some of those lyrics, what are the lyrics? The, the lovely lyrics? London sky. sky. When he does I, that kind of stuff. Um, It was just, I think it was. A, I don't know what it was. I just didn't like it. It was his accent, which some English reporters that wrote articles on the on Mary Poppins approved of his accent because the, uh, the social class that Jack Lin-Manuel Miranda's character is supposed to be in. Apparently he's not. He doesn't have more of the refined English accent that we're used to. Oh yeah. Speaking of accents, though, um, Emily Blunt's Mary Poppins. She went for a more like British royal um, accent, like even more so than her own natural accent and Julie Andrews's accent in the original. Yeah. Just a little tidbit. I. You can kind of. I gotta stop that. You can hear it in the. Well, not at all. Mary tall oh, vowels. Yes, silly me. 
Oh, yes, that. Silly me. Here we go. Off we go. Actually, that was one of my favorite parts where she dunks herself in the bathtub. That was probably the most charming moment in the whole movie. Agreed. That and then Dick Van Dyke's actual cameo. I'd say that and Angela Lansbury's cameo, too. The cameos were charming. Really, really charming. Except for the male street one. Oh, yeah. I don't count that as a cameo. That was just a waste of time. When I was watching in that, in that whole song, I was like, can we be done with this already? Yeah. I don't know. I just really didn't like the lyrics in London Sky. Because like some of them go, um, have a pot of tea, mend your broken cup. There's a different point of view awaiting you if you would just look up. Uh, seems a promise of tomorrow never comes. But since you dream the night away, tomorrow's here. It's cold today. So count your blessings. You're a lucky guy. That's where he does that. Oh, those little. Or you're underneath the lovely London sky. Yeah, that those things. The little, the, the things where you go up a note and then back down to the original note. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't like that on this. It just sounded really forced. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why I think that is because the lyrics are so dense. There's so many words crammed into a little space. That's the other, that's why, that's also goes to why the songs aren't exactly as memorable because there's just so many changing lyrics and so many changing rhyme schemes and everything and they barely repeat. So it's really hard to latch onto the melody the first time you see it or listen to it. And there's there's few kind of hooks that just dig their way into earworms, I want to say. Yeah. But then the way that the Sherman brothers did the original, there's like a handful of songs, like maybe five or so where they use those melodies over and over again. So by the time you're done with the movie, you've heard each song at least three, maybe four times throughout the movie somehow. Yeah. I mean, for what was it? Dick Van Dyke's opening scene, he uses the same melody and Chim Chim Cherie. Yeah. He hums that every time we see Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. And even though they, the lyrics change, like when he's a painter, like today I'm a screamer. And as you can see, a screamer's an artist of highest degree. Oh, yeah. That kind of thing. But that's still the chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cherry. When you're over the sweep, you're in glad company. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. For the new one, they just rewrote or wrote new songs for each moment, and it got really tiring to follow. Anyway, so after London Sky, you get the overture, which is nice. They do the credits, um, and they spend some time with the credits, and then you get a full orchestra overture, mm-hmm. uh, which... In the original, they did the overture first, and then you meet Bert. So they flipped it, which is, I guess, in either way. But either way works. But yeah. Um, and then in the overture, I don't know if you want to talk about this more. Yeah. But they they add each theme of the new songs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so they give they give each 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 song its its own little section in the overture. That yeah. Kind of it helps. I liked it. I thought the overture was really 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 well written. Yeah. And that's one of the things I liked the orchestrations of the overture. And the score part yeah. of the movie, this the just the music, not the songs. Yeah, the orchestration for it was really good. Yeah, uh huh. But then also during the overture, you see little like Easter eggs, uh, like when they go past the church and you see the bird lady, and then birds fly away, and you're like, oh, it's feed the birds. Yeah, you do. Except mm-hmm. they had a lot of nods to the old movie, like a lot, a lot more than just the storyline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, and then the next, what's the next big song that we wanted to talk about? So the next one is Can You Imagine That? And that's the first one that Emily Blunt sings to the Banks children after Georgie catches her on his kite. And well, before that one, though, we have the scene in the attic with Michael Banks singing the song A Conversation. Are we talking about that one? No, we're just going to mention it real quick. The love letter to his wife asking where she went and like the 
the stuff that he's having problems with and everything. I thought that was a nice, nice written song. Um, yeah. I would have liked for it to come back again, but it didn't ever. So that was kind of a bummer. Not even in melody form did it no, come yeah. back. Oh, yeah. But it could have easily worked um, for one of the later songs that Emily Blunt sings to the kids, yeah. which is the same sort of tone about their about their mom singing about the mom yeah but they didn't do it it would have worked really well and yeah they even brought out props for for that song where he's he's holding his wife's pearls we never see those pearls again in the movie but he's holding them in that song like they mean the world to him he also holds in that scene um the snow globe of the church with the birds flying around and if you watch the original, Mary Poppins takes that snow globe back and she puts it in her bag when she leaves the movie in the first one. So there's absolutely no way that Michael Banks and Jane would have had that snow globe. Oops, sorry, writers. <laughs> yeah, nice Boo-boo. continuity issue there. Continuity yeah. issue there. Just stuff like that where they tried to like make you care about this movie because, oh, look, we threw in a little thing from the first one, but it really shouldn't be there, but you're... You guys as audience members don't really care, so we're going to do it anyway. It's very similar to my beef with the Solo movie, the Han Solo movie, where with the uh, those dice. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, in The Last Jedi. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, can you imagine that? I like this song. I like the song a lot, and I liked the when she was getting the bathtub ready and singing it to the kids, because this song is her trying to show the kids that there's more to life than just logic. Yeah. Sticking to the rules. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Trying to, I think it's more like have fun. Yeah. She's trying to relax them. Don't overthink bit. stuff yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh huh. Cause they had to grow up so fast after her mom died and she's trying to say, Hey, don't grow up too fast. Some people like to splash and play. Can you imagine that? And take a seaside holiday Can you imagine that? Too much glee leaves rings around the brain Take that joy and send it down the drain Some people like to laugh at life and giggle through the day They think the world's a brand new shiny toy And if while dreaming in the clouds they fall and go splat. Although they're down and bent in half, they brush right off and start to laugh. Can you imagine that? Yeah. So this was a cool song. Uh, The thing I did hate was the underwater effects and everything. I thought it looked terrible. I was like, wow, are we, what year are we in? Great. Awesome. It looked terrible. Yeah, that was a little cutesy. You know, what they could have done is they could have animated that part too. No. It would have looked a lot better. I don't know. I didn't like it. Uh, it looked like they weren't even underwater. I guess they're, I guess you're supposed to think, oh, it's like a dream sort of thing. But yeah. it just looked weird. Uh, what else about this song? Oh, so yeah, this song basically replaces the moment from the original, a spoonful of sugar, right? Yep. Okay, moving on. Some people like to laugh and play. Can you imagine that? I mean, I like that song. I thought it was well written. Um, but yeah, you can obviously tell that that's supposed to replace Spoonful of Sugar. So the next one we wanted to talk about was the Royal Dalton Music Hall. Royal Dalton Music Hall. 
Oh, that's right. She does that on music. Mule. I don't even know how to how do you do that? I have to sing it. Royal Dalton. Mule. We'll do that later. Okay. Anyway. Musical. She adds like a little growl in her voice or a little gravel in there. Yeah. Which sounds completely out of character for Mary Poppins, but who cares because she's returned. Yeah. Well put, Mark. I mean, it was a cool scene. I liked how they got inside the animated. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't even say that. Okay, this is part the part the song that when they sing when they first get into the animated world. Right. It was cool how they got into the world. I just didn't like while they were there. I did like the animation though. The animation for the scene was really good. It was like classic Disney animation. Not quite. It looked kind of cheap. Well, honestly, it looked like Saturday morning cartoons stuff. It was not as well produced as. Like Aladdin or other Ariel and yeah. Little Mermaid. Yeah. Little Mermaid is like top notch. Yeah. It was, it was like the design looked real simple, the characters and everything, and they just weren't as well animated as as the original penguins and everything. Um, but I mean, that's because nobody does it anymore because Disney fired all their two D animators. Yeah. So oops. Yeah. Way to go. Anyway. Yeah. So they had to bring back a whole new team for yeah, animators had, yeah. and. Uh-huh. They're kind of green animators. Anyway, um, this Royal Dalton musical reflects kind of Jolly Holiday. Yeah. Oh, it's a Jolly Holiday with Mary. No wonder wonder that that it's Mary that we love. When Mary holds your hand, you feel so grand. Your heart starts beating like a big brass band. <laughs> remember the pig? I do remember that. Yeah, see, you remember the old one, but I can't remember what happens in the new one. I know the yeah. horse talked, and the carriage rider was a dog, I think. I think it was a dog. It was a dog. Yeah. It was a it was a specific dog. Like a cocker spaniel, I think it looked like. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so this was that moment in the... in. It was like a it was a fine song. It was like a kind of a throwaway song. Nothing special, nothing terrible about it. Just it was there. Yeah. And just like in Jolly Holiday, in the scene, Mary goes off with the Bert or Jack character, shall we say, and the yeah. kids go running off on their own. Yeah. And so that's very similar, just copy paste like the old one. Yeah. So that's when the the Lin Manuel sort of rap lyric happens when they get to where they're going with this new song, the cover is not the book. Uh, and that one takes the moment of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious with the crazy made up words and sort of the fast, fast lyric, like a list, list style. Yeah. They call it like a list style, list style song. Under the covers, one discovers that the king may be a crook. Chapter titles are like signs, and if you read between the lines, you'll find your first impression was mistook. For a cover is nice, but a cover is not the book. Yeah, they call that a patter song, which features some yeah. type of fast language, and given the period and genre, it can be recognized as a rap today. Yeah, so there are there are few songs like that like super super califragilistic and i think also jolly holiday kind of might there's some parts in jolly holiday that would be kind of patter song ish 
Shall I say? The school had some rules. They really ought to teach in schools. Like you'll be a happy king if you enjoy the things you've got. You should never try to be the kind of person that you're not. So they sang and they laughed for the king had found a friend. And they ran onto a rainbow for the story's perfect end. So the moral is you mustn't let the outside be the guide. For it's not so cut and dried. Well, unless it's Dr. Jekyll, then you'd better hide. Petrified! But like I said, I like the song. Covers not the book. I liked it a lot. Um, but you can tell it's supposed to replace supercalifragilistic um as this is that moment for our new film yeah like the, oh this is the fun song yeah. that we're but it was really cool how they did it like it's the cover is not the book right so it's like don't judge a book by its cover kind of thing or reading uh stories from a book so the way they did it they're on stage and the these like giant books open up like pop-up books and then the characters that they're singing about are like paper cutouts sort of style it's really cool how they did it and like it's an interactive pop-up book style but like full size as if you were in the book it was cool you had to see it i mean if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about but i really appreciated that i thought that was a cool moment what i didn't like was her costume in in the costumes in this whole animated scene and her hair turned like chicago for a second oh my gosh her hair yeah that was interesting i was like whoa where'd where'd mary poppins go (laughs) oh okay Yeah. yeah and then there's some weird story things that happen to get them out of the animated thing which that didn't make to, sense at all. Yeah, it didn't need to happen. This is where they introduce a villain, and it's not like a, a well-thought-out villain. It's like a, ooh, I'm after you. I'm going to get you kind of villain, and it was kind of pointless. Yeah, like big bad wolf. It was so weird. I was like, why Why do you need a villain in Mary Poppins? Yeah. Anyway, so that kicks us out of the animated world, and then they're all frightened, and Mary Poppins tells them... No spoilers. That wasn't a spoiler. I know, but still, we're like... Okay, Mary Poppins sings them a song in their bedroom to help them go to sleep, which in the original is Spoonful of Sugar and Feed the, the Birds, which is one of Walt Disney's favorite songs. He would always have the Sherman Brothers play that song for him. Yeah, and some days wouldn't Walt just go in and be like, play me the song. Yeah, uh-huh. And the the boys knew what they were talking about, what he was talking about, which I think it's safe to say this song is not that. The place where the lost things go replaces the feed the birds moment in the nursery. And it was a weird song. Like, I had no idea what was happening when I first saw it. I was like, where is she going with this? And I don't get it. Do you ever lie awake at night? Just between the dark and the morning light? Searching for the things you used to know Looking for the place where the lost things go Do you ever dream or reminisce Wondering where to find what you truly miss Well maybe all those things that you love so Waiting in the place where the lost things go Memories you've shared Gone for good you feared They're all around you still Though they've disappeared Nothing's really left Or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever
I actually I didn't like the lyrics for this one either. Yeah, because it's it's like a refrain, never ending. Yeah, yeah, it's like a refrain song, but they it's barely to be ever a refrain song. Yeah, but they barely ever say the place where the lost things go. Yeah, which, they say it like twice. Yeah, only twice, and usually in a refrain song, you would say that at the end of each kind of stanza. Yeah, at the end of each verse, you would end it with the refrain. Yeah, but they don't do that here, and it's kind of it, it doesn't get stuck in your head because which of isn't that. a problem. But the problem is. The, the verses are so long and just endless metaphors that you forget where where it came from and where it's going in the song. Oh, I think I described it as an author that doesn't know how to use periods. Or commas or anything. Or yet. any kind of sentence structure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a sweet melody and if you, if you don't care about moving the story long at all or anything specific in the song, it's probably going to make you cry, but... It doesn't do anything. It's yeah. not. We might be very. We might be just being getting too sinister. Too too. Uh, what do you call it? Too Critical. Sickle. Maybe. <laughs> Cynical. You know. Well, you know what it probably is. It's okay. This could also be this that we're just a little, little mad that they didn't come to us. You know, to help help with this new song. Because uh, hello, brothers, right here. Um, Sherman Brothers. Uh, Mary Poppins. Um, basically, Bert. Or basically. <laughs> so uh, you know. Uh, hey. Yeah. I mean, I think Emily Blunt did a really good job singing it. Her performance was amazing. Uh, It's just the material wasn't quite. I think the story wasn't there. Yeah, they messed up with the story. Yeah, and that was that was the biggest thing that Mark and I are are kind of frustrated with. Yeah, because it 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 doesn't have to be. Well, here's here's my problem with it. They they said it like Mary Poppins Returns. So this is a sequel, not a remake. And they marketed it like a sequel and not a remake. We're like, we're not redoing the original because we can never do that. But guess what they did? They ended up remaking the original. They just took every moment from the original and were like, how can we make this new and replace it for our movie? And then that's what they did. Yeah. They just duplicated the scenes and yeah, <laughs> if put, they them really, the, put them in the same sequence. Yeah. Too. If they really wanted to push it, I think you don't even need to use the same family. You shouldn't have even used the Banks family. Like we don't need to see them again. Yeah. I mean, because Mary Poppins is a nanny that goes to other families and does this. Yeah. So let's see like somebody else's like story. She, it's not like this is the only family she's ever looked out, out, out for. Yeah. Disney could have taken a risk and explored the whole world of Mary Poppins a little bit deeper, but they just kind of, they kept it to one household. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you do really want to stick to the same family, which is fine, but don't do it that way. You should have done it like how you started the movie. They started the movie making a big deal about the mom dying and passing away and the family having to move on. Um, especially when we saw the song that Michael sings in the attic, the conversation song where he's singing to his, to his dead wife. Sorry. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a love letter. Yeah. Asking like for help, like he needs help with the kids and everything and he doesn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you stick with that, that would have been fine. That would have been great because the message from Mary Poppins would have been helping the family, get through the loss of their mom and yeah. it would have been the message that Mary sings yeah. in the place where the lost things go. Yeah. But instead halfway through the movie, we totally forget like the kids don't even act like they care that their mom died or they, yeah. they don't even, they forget or it doesn't even come up. Like the only reason that the lost things song comes up is because one of the kids says, I miss my mom. And that was like, Oh, that's right. Your mom died. That's right. Hmm. <laughs> Thanks for reminding us that because we had no idea based on everything else that you were just telling us 
for the past 20 minutes in a cover is not the book. Yeah. Anyway, let's keep going. Let's talk about yeah. the next song that we want to talk about. Wait, wait, hang on. But in the lost things, like Mary Poppins is kind of saying your mom's not really gone, but it feels like they're just tiptoeing around that message and they never actually hit that message home at all in that song. And that was the moment that you should have done that. And, and I think if you had that moment work, I think the ending message would have been a lot clearer. Well, they did have that. They did clear it up at the end. Yeah, but that's not the time to clear it up. You need to make that hit that hard in a song in the middle of the movie. Well, I could see why they did that because they kind of, they probably wanted the problems to build up a little bit more for the resolution at the end. Yeah, but the problem with doing that is they made, by focusing on the problem, which is losing the house or the the prospect of losing the house and trying to find a single certificate to save save the day and everything, which but in this movie, there's a lot of, sure is a lot of bank talk for a kid's movie. Oh, yeah. Because like, kids, every kid I know knows about bonds, right? And, and certificates. Yeah, not. I don't even know what that is. That's okay. Anyway. You have to. Yeah, Lena knows for me. Okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? You were talking about the Oh, message. yeah, no, the problem, by fo- them focusing on the problem, which is them losing the house, you, you, that's what the whole movie becomes. It becomes how can we save the house and not how can we save our family even though we lost our mom. It becomes about the house and more material things and a family trying to get along and, and move on, which, yeah. Well, I just, yeah. I mean, that's what, it, that, that, that's what Mary Poppins is trying to fix. Yeah, but also... Mary Poppins has very little to do with anything that kids decide at all in the movie. Like if Mary Poppins wasn't in the movie, the kids still would have tried to sell something to help pay for the house. The kids still would have run off and done whatever they do. Yeah. Like she didn't really nanny them at all. (laughs) She just took them on a bath time, bath time excursion. She was basically like Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, she's more of a conscience. But than doesn't a, really do anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, because you know how in Pinocchio, Jiminy Cricket is always telling Pinocchio, don't do this, don't do that, but Pinocchio still does it. Yeah. And Jiminy Cricket doesn't try to stop him, so yeah, that's case closed. Anyway, anyway Feed the on. Birds is like the message is real clear there. Yeah, but the place where the lost things go, it just kind of dances around the topic or the the theme of the movie and that I think that was the place where you needed to hit the theme again at least that they lost their mom and everything which it's in the song but it doesn't feel like that's the main focus of the song because this is metaphor on metaphor and verse on verse that doesn't really have to do with that anyway next song Trip a little light, fantastic. Uh, also known as the step in time moment, except with lamplighters and BMX bikers and yeah. and getting lost in the sewer. Why does Mary Poppins go in a sewer? Well, you could say why does Mary Poppins go in a chimney? Okay, so instead of going up, they they went down in the movie. <laughs> Let's just go in the opposite direction. Okay. No, but they the chimneys. That's a real a real uh, British myth. Like chimney sweeps are lucky, and so but I don't. There's nothing lucky about a lamplighter going down into a sewer. I don't know. I think just the language in Triple Little Light Fantastic is very confusing. Yeah. Obvi- like it sounds cool. Obviously, I think trip a little light. Tripping a light is turning a light on or off. So you're tripping the light. But I don't know why the light is so little. And I don't know why it's fantastic. 
don't know. Okay, so this this part happens when Mary Poppins is following the kids because they know their way home, supposedly, even though she knows they're going the wrong way. But she doesn't say anything. Why would she say anything? She's not their nanny. And then, so the kids get lost, and then they find uh, Jack. I almost called him Bert. Yeah, and then he says, basically his message is, I don't know, what's the message of Triple Little Light? Fantastic. Like, light your own way, kind of. Yeah, kind of like, be afraid there's of the a light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, keep right. imagining. Yeah. This or one like, fell short, I think. Or like, be the light in the world. Yeah. I think that's actually a line that he says. Yeah, it's real like, here's the message, in your face. So pay attention to it. Yeah, it's very, it's it's cliche. I mean, yeah. Also, the dance, the, it was so weird. It was yeah. like, it was a really close, closed set, like really close quarters and a ton of dancers. And it was just too much to watch. It's confusing. It's like they gave them, they only gave them the size of a stage, a theater stage yeah. to film and yeah. dance that whole sequence. Yeah, but this is a movie. You should you have all the room in the world. Yeah, you have all of London to record or to yeah. film. So, so why not use it? I don't see why that scene had to feel so small. Yeah, and then the BMX bikers. I don't know. That was ridiculous. Yeah, I was like, well, okay, great. There's geez. one. There's another. Okay. There's like four BMX bikers going up and down ramps that look like. We get, we get the idea. Lamblighters ride bikes and they do like wheelies on them. Good for you. And then Mary Poppins does a wheelie too on one. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> it's a little far-fetched. But anyway, I didn't like the song. I like Step in Time way better. Step in Time is just more charming. I mean, Step in Time, what is that? Nobody knows what that means either. So but so Triple O Life, fantastic, I guess. Nobody knows what that means. So we can't really fault them for that, but. I just didn't like the song. Also, the phrasing is weird. Maybe it's the way he sang it. Uh, like the beginning stuff. It's like, uh, hang on. Let's say you're in, you're lost in the park. Sure, you can give, give in to the, the dark, dark, or <laughs> you can trip a little lot. Fantastic with me. The way he does it, I don't with, like that. With it's me, like, with me. It's like a little with wink and an eye. It's like, dude, you're creepy. What are you doing? Like, no, stop the subtext. I don't know what that means, but. And then the next line is, when you're alone in your room, your choice is just to embrace the gloom or you can trip a little light fantastic with, with me. me. Let's say you're lost in a park shore. You can give in to the dark or you can trip a little light fantastic with me. When you're alone in your room, your choice is just embrace the gloom, or you can trip a little light fantastic with me. For if you hide under the covers, you might never see the day. But if a spark can start inside your heart, then you can always find the way. So when life is getting dreary, just pretend that you're a leery as you trip a little life fantastic with me. I just don't like it. Okay. All right. We <laughs> and then there's the whole part in that song where they're like, oh, it's leery speak. We're like... Oh. It's it's where you say what you mean. It's what you or you don't say what you mean, but you mean what you say, or some some stupid thing like that. You say what like, you mean in a rhyme. Yeah, and then Mary Poppins does it, but what she's rhyming off of has nothing to do with what the kids are singing about. Like she's just making up rhymes 
to rhyme, but that's not actually going with what the kids are singing about, and that bothered me. Well, which actually, in, in when Lin Manuel Miranda starts talking about the la- the uh, Leary speak, he says he asks one of his fellow lamp lighters to say, "There, give us your weep and wail," which kind of makes sense. Yeah, sure. The rest to the rest of us that means tail. But no, here's okay. So here's the lyrics for Mary Poppins part. The kids sing, "Well, we had this bowl," and then Mary Poppins goes, "Rabbit in the hole." What, what are you talking about? Where's the rabbit? Where, what? Huh? The rabbit go in the hole of the bowl? What are what? you talking about? That fell and broke. The kids say that fell and broke, and she goes, "A bicycle spoke." So the bicycle spoke, I guess, is the carriage that broke, but it wasn't a bicycle, so I don't really know what she's talking about. And then they say, "So we took it to a shop," which means was Meryl Streep's character, which was also pointless. And then she says, like a lollipop. Oh, so you're really just rhyming stuff and has nothing to do with the story at all. Like, what do you mean you took it to a shop like a lollipop? I don't know. Huh? What? I mean, like the song, the melodies are good. The orchestrations are great. But the lyrics, a lot of times just, it's not telling the story at all. And it's not really, it doesn't have anything to do with itself. Well, thanks a lot, Scott Whitman. And then the kids Sorry, sing, getting really mean. then okay. went to the bank and she sings rattle and clank. What? <laughs> what are you saying? Maybe coins in a coins in a bank vault. And then rattle. the kids sing got lost in the fog. And she says lump on a log. And then they say to be found by a friend. And then and then she finally says to stand and defend, which I guess kind of makes sense because Jack was there for them defending them. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mark, anyway, that's Mark, enough of that. That's enough. Yeah. I'd say that's one of the most poorly written songs in the show. It makes you wish you were just listening to Step in Time instead. Anyway. From this low, there's nowhere to go but up. You see what I I did there? there. So the next song we want to talk about is Nowhere to Go But Up. Which was Angela Lansbury's cameo. Yeah, which is also Let's Go Fly a Kite from the original. Yeah, which so Angela Lansbury plays the balloon lady, which is an actual character in the P.L. Travers books. Um She's a balloon lady in the park, and then I guess if you pick the right balloon, you go flying. But the so, so the song re- literally replaces the "Let's Go Fly a Kite" moment because everybody's up in the air, floating on a balloon. Yeah, if I had to pick my favorite part, I would say Angela Lansbury singing her verses of this song are my favorite part. Yeah, her verses were well, well written, and they actually made sense about the myth of you picking a balloon and if you look inside and see your reflection or you hear music then you'll go flying yeah it was written really well but when other characters are added to it they they kind of make it more they cheapen cute, it a little yeah, bit yeah cheapen and cutesy uh, cutesify it it was just a weird moment i mean it was cool but i was thinking why does how can everybody see this like everybody's watching people float on balloons when i thought mary poppins magic was supposed to be only for Mary Poppins. Yeah, and then they say adults always forget. So I was like, how can everybody be seeing this and not like be freaking out <laughs> or whatever? But anyway, we before we so that was the let's go fly kite moment. Um, it's like nowhere to go but up. They want to leave you on a high note. Life's a balloon that tumbles or rises depending on what is inside. Fill it with hope and playful surprises And how dearie ducks them, you're in for a ride Look, 
inside the balloon and if you hear a tune there's nowhere to go but up choose the secret we know before life makes us grow there's nowhere to go but up if your selection feels right well then dearie hold tight if you see your reflection your heart will take flight if you pick the right string then your heart will take wing and there's nowhere to go but up And there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah, and they even had the "Let's Go Fly a Kite" melody hinting towards there in the at the end of that stanza. The bum bum ba da dum. Yeah, which is the bounciness of that is just like "Let's go fly a kite up to the, the highest height." height. Let's go fly a kite and send it soaring up through the atmosphere, up where the air is clear. Oh, let's go fly a kite. Yeah. So, well, I mean, what's that tell you? We remember the lyrics for that movie. But nowhere to go but up land and had to read them. And I couldn't sing along because I didn't know it was coming up. That's because it's so simple. And granted, we did see the movie, the original Mary Poppins, like a ton of times. Yeah. But thinking about it, the melody is very simple and the lyrics are straightforward and easy to hear and retain in your memory. I think the moment, that moment in the original was was a more heartfelt moment because the dad who previously destroyed their kite is the one who amended it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, and there was no so it villain. Just meant more. And there was no villain in that movie that they could blame their troubles on. Yeah, I mean, like he was the the antagonist. Yeah, but he wasn't a villain because Mary Poppins isn't supposed to be about defeating bad guys or fighting a villain at all. Like that's not the point of Mary Poppins. It's to teach like a specific lesson or to help a family get through something, which they had it all set up. Yeah, they just threw in a little too much yeah. salt at the end. Well, not at the end, they just... Or throughout, you know. They just, like, took a detour. Because even at the end, like, you forget that the mom even died. It doesn't even, like, matter to them. It's not like they got over anything. It's like they forgot about something. You, I think if they just drove home that their mother's memory will always be in their hearts at the end that would have made it more um more memorable especially michael since he's the first one to grab the balloon maybe if he saw you know like in the balloon's reflection a memory of him and his wife with their kids or something instead of just his reflection i mean and i think i don't know something like that would have meant more or something to tie the loss of their mom from the beginning and why they were even about to lose a house in the first place Maybe, I think tying it together would have. Yeah. Maybe if he saw the snow globe, because it would be hard to. The snow globe's not supposed to be there. Well, first yeah. of all, I don't know, but it would be it would be hard for him to see for us to see his wife because we don't know what she looks like. We've never seen her throughout this whole movie, so. I know, but okay, so you could see a shot of him looking at the balloon, and then hear just a memory of them laughing all together or doing something, 
you know, just a, I don't know, something other than, oh, look, I see myself in the balloon. So now I'm going to go fly. But also, we forgot one other cameo, Dick Van Dyke's cameo. Actually, we should just end with that one because that one's the best. That one actually was good. So he's saying a version of Triple Little Light Fantastic, but his version was like when about how the um, the bank was trying to kick him out sort of and like because they were saying he's too old. So he was basically like when the world, you know, tells you you're done, don't give up don't throw in the towel because you you still got some some life left in you. His lyrics go, I may be circling the drain, but I got a few steps left in me. So when they tell you that you're finished and your chance to dance is done, that's the time to stand, to strike with the band and tell them that you've just begun. Yeah. Actually, his his moment was really good um, even before he starts singing because he, he talks about the original, how Michael's um, tuppence... Uh, Instead of going to the birds and he gave them to his dad, um, Mr. Banks in the first one. And then Mr. Banks gives it to the bank and then the he says, hold on to this. And then the bank invests it. Um, yeah. And so the basically the bank grew that first tuppen from the first movie into a sizable investment. Yeah, you're getting distracted good, though. Good capital gains. Yeah, you're turning into Mary Poppins Returns right now by talking about the bank part. But I'm saying... Like Dick Van Dyke's character had a sentimental moment about how their the dad cared about Michael's um, his kids at the end of the movie. By the time after everything had happened to him already in the original, I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't know. I thought Dick Van Dyke's moment was the most charming, along with Angela Lansbury's, and then the bathtub where she falls into the bathtub. That was that was where Emily Blunt falls yeah, into the bathtub. That was a good moment. But it was in the trailer. They gave it away. Yeah. They seem to be doing that a lot these days, giving away all the good parts in in the trailer. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about the songs. Those are so we just hit the main songs um and kind of their counterparts to the original movie. That's how we wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um we do want to talk about the orchestration a little bit um oh yeah and the, and the score because in some moments of the score um mark shaman adds little ear cues to the previous uh 1964 mary poppins songs so in i think in track 13 nowhere to go but up um at the very end mark shaman does a little musical cameo for let's go fly a kite that's when Angela Lansbury and Mary Poppins are talking. Are talking. Um, he does it in, in a the scene. Yeah, sort of carnival, like a carnival sounding style orchestration with like, uh, right, right. Yeah. So I like that Mark Scheiman did the did some musical cues back to the original. Back song. to the original songs yeah. just to tie in the whole Mary Poppins theme. I think it does it does do very well for for doing that and which also helped make the new songs feel like they belonged in the same world as the original songs. Yeah. As the, as the Sherman brothers songs. So this is the end of track 13, nowhere to go, but up. And you can hear the phrase of, for, um, let's go fly a kite. 
<laughs> of course, the grown-ups will all forget by tomorrow. They always do. Only one balloon left, Mary Poppins. I think it must be yours. Yes, I suppose it must. And then also towards the end, you can hear uh, more of a spoonful of sugar phrasing. Practically perfect in every way. So I thought they did a good job matching styles and making it sound like the same world and the same kind of language. Um, I just think they were really limited by the songs they could write because they had to stick to this story. Yeah. And there's there's a bunch of other kind of musical cues from the original Mary Poppins that we hear in this new score. Um, and if you listen closely while you're watching the movie, you'll you can, recognize them. Yeah, you'll recognize yeah. them. They're very... They're obvious. Yeah, they're, they're there in your face. and they're, They didn't try to hide them at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just, I like how they make you feel. They make me feel really good. And, and like Mark said, they tie you into the Mary Poppins world as the old 1964 version. It's just, like I said, it's a shame that they were stuck. They had to write songs to replace moments from the original instead of writing new songs for new moments in this movie. Yeah, it was like, it was almost like, okay, we need an opening song like Bert. Yeah. We need, now we need a step in time song. Yeah. And now we need a jolly holiday yeah. song. And that's literally what it felt like they did. I guess we'll see how well it does, but yeah. Yeah, the Oscars are coming up. Emily Blunt's performance was great, though. Yeah, Emily Blunt. She was really good. She did a very good job. So at the time that Mark and I are recording this episode, the 91st Oscars shortlist is the only thing that's up. And the shortlist is kind of how the Oscars narrow down what movies will be um, will be the nominations. And so for Mary Poppins Returns, it's on the Oscars shortlist for Best Original Score, Visual Effects, Best Original Song, A Place Where Lost Things Go, and also nominated for Best Original Song, Triple Little Light, Fantastic. I was actually surprised it had four nominations for the 76 Golden Globes, and it didn't win any. Like, zero. Yeah, that's usually what didn't win any means. Yeah, 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 but but it was... it was Emily Blunt was nominated for Best Performance by an Actress. She's also nominated for Quiet Place, though. Yeah, but I think she should have at least won for that. Other I think it's better in Quiet Place. Well, a, a Quiet Place didn't even win, though, so... It's not looking good, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so you should watch the original and then you should watch Saving Mr. Banks and then go watch this one and then go watch the original one again and be like, oh, okay, that's what it's supposed to be like. And that's the Akiyama Brothers recommended watch list for Mary Poppins. Do we have one of those things? Hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So everybody, thank you for tuning in to this anniversary episode. Happy anniversary. We've been on this for a year. Yeah. I'm sorry if this was a little more cynical than our ones before which yeah i don't think we meant it to be like that but yeah yeah we're very passionate about mary poppins because we know what we wanted to see and yeah it just didn't happen so essentially it was a remake which is kind of disappointing and i'd like to see disney take more risks they just don't take risks though now yeah Yeah, they don't do that anymore and it, it it's it's kind of it 
That's why everybody's upset that they keep redoing the same thing. Like they yeah, keep redoing they do Star Wars. Ones. Yeah, Star Wars live action movies from their mm-hmm. original animated ones, and then Marvel. That's yeah. like all they're doing right now. Yeah, not they're they haven't done anything very, very original, or very uh, innovative like. Like Sony's Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, but people were excited about Mary Poppins because it's a character that everybody kind of loves. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure how it's going to do, but yeah, that was kind of our take on it. I thought the music was good, but it was limited by the story and it had potential to be a lot, a lot better. Yeah. But the score was very good. Yes. I, I like the score a lot. And and also those musical cues to the to the original, yeah. were very nice touches. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, let us know what you think if you've seen Mary Poppins or the Mary Poppins Returns. We'd love to know what you think and how you like the songs and and how you think it stands up to the original and what you maybe what you like better than the original. Yeah, just give us a comment, reach yep. out, say hi. We love it when you guys say hi, mm-hmm. and also when you give us feedback. Yeah, so don't forget to rate, review, and uh, if you want, find us on Instagram. I'll probably share a video or something of the umbrella. It's actually a pretty cool umbrella, so um, definitely check that out. And subscribe to our Patreon uh, to be able to, you know, have the opportunity to record that introduction for each episode and produce your creds on each episode. Yeah, you could be the first to do the announcer voice intro. So... Anyway, Thank you for tuning in. Yep, that wraps it up. Thank you. All right, and everybody. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to another year of podcasting. Bye. Bye. See ya. Have a good week.